You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. I want to give you something real, but I don't know where to start. Darling, let's make a deal. I want to give you my heart. I would trade anything for love. Hey, guys. So this might sound a little different than you're used to, and that's because I'm recording in my car. It's a long story, but uh, things have gotten a little bit crazy. Also, speaking of things being crazy, uh, I got some friends to help me this week with the This Week in Buns, with the hopes that at some point, not right away, but at some point, they may be taking over the This Week in Buns section. Callie and I uh, are still here, so, you know, don't worry. Uh, I think that if it does end up switching over, we'll we'll do some sort of big goodbye. But I thought I'd put some feelers out there and see how this goes. Anyway, here's This Week in Buns. Welcome to the ISO Podcast. Uh, this week in buns. Now, this section is going to be brought to you by myself, Oren, and me, Laura. And we're going to be bringing you the best stories of the week from all around buns. That's trading zone. That's pet zone. That's mm-hmm. all the wonderful zones that makes buns itself. And yeah, the crazy, the odd, the weird, the interesting, the all tasty. the stories. <laughs> the tasty. <laughs> we'll try and bring you as much of that cool content as possible. Hell yeah. So let's start this off. You got a couple cat related stories. Oh my gosh. The cats this week. The cats. Let me lay it on you. So basically this one lady, let's see what her name is. Linda. She's going to the cottage with her pals. But of course she's bringing her little kitty cats with her. But not just any cat, Oren. Let me tell you, this is a fashion conscious cat. Okay. <laughs> and she needs uh, a hat, a nice little ball cap for said cat. And she also needs a life jacket and a fishing rod to catch her cat a delicious fish, okay? <laughs> so I don't know if you know of any bedazzled, uh, swaggy-ass cat life jackets, but send it to Linda. This is the reason other countries think we're think we're weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this right here. Oh, my God. That is... All right, this cat. This cat has a more luxe life than me. Yeah. This, cat's, this cat gets to go to cottages. Yeah. Gets a new wardrobe. Yeah. Fuck this cat. No, no, I want to no, be I, I this cat. I, I love this cat. No, I you're love that jealous idea. of the cat. I'm super jealous. <laughs> obviously, obviously. That's Aren't where, you? That's where this rage, this full yeah. rage is coming from, <laughs> is the fact that this cat is so privileged and I want this cat's life right now. Literally pampered. <laughs> a pampered kitty cat. Um, You have a pirate cat as well, which is... Oh, you know I got a pirate <laughs> cat. Okay, so let me just get to it. So this honey over here, she's taking care... Oh, Brittany... She's taking care of her brother's cat, okay, for three weeks. Um, and this cat only has a solo eye, okay, one eye. And her brother will never let her put an eye patch on this cat. But now that he's gone, she is <laughs> in search of a cat eye patch, okay? And I just think that I'm excited to see all of the photos that she takes once she gets this eye patch. Uh, so I was previously against the purchases for the other cat. Um, 
full disclosure, I own a cat. A cat okay. is my one of my greatest friends. Oh, nice. Her name is Nickel. She's cross-eyed and she's beautiful. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know for a fact my cat would hate an eye patch. Yeah. Absolutely hate an eye patch. But there's no doubt it would look adorable. It would look amazing. <laughs> I have a cat at home. His name's Sammy. And I'm not afraid of animals. I am intimidated by them. Okay. Because I can't talk to them. I can't be like, cat, what's going on? And they can't be like, Laura, I need you to back away from me right now. You're freaking me out. So me and Sammy, we'll just kind of look at each other. We go, keep the distance. But I tried to put a shirt on him once. And I was tell you, it would, did not go very well. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It never does. <laughs> I'd like to know how people that have dressed up animals actually get them to do it. Probably a lot of work. I think a lot of work. I think it's a lot of early training as well. Yeah. Especially those dogs <laughs> that wear those cute outfits. <laughs> early training. All right, honey, we're going to put a sweater on you now. Side note, for Canada Day, my, my girlfriend's friend yeah. put a put his dog, his, his French, his French uh, terrier, okay. in a Mountie uniform. Oh. Ah, adorbs. Adorbs. No. Um, this next post that I love this week is uh, entitled Nostalgic Buns. Relive the good old days hanging out with Ryan and Marissa mm -hmm. in the OC. Damn. And we're talking off air. And so this person, hold on, has one to, seasons one to four of the OC. Maybe I should get it. Y wait, talking off air. Yeah. You, you had confused the OC. <laughs> With the hills, <laughs> yeah, well, why which is currently the greatest tra uh, travesty that has ever gone down the on hills? this podcast so far. Oh, no, yeah. The humans thinking those two. Yeah. And then you had the audacity <laughs> to start singing, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I was like, is it, I don't want to be anything yeah. other than. His name is Gavin DeGraw. He's yeah. an American treasure. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe you on this one. Uh. I think people forget what a phenomenon the show was. The OC or One the, Tree Hill? <laughs> both, really. But really, <laughs> really the OC. Um, and you even asked, like, what's what's the show even about? It's like, I know. It's, it's, about a, it's about a kid on the wrong it's side of the tracks. bad boy. <laughs> wrong side of the tracks, gets adopted by, like, a wealthy lawyer, and then ends up, like, just out of his class. You know yeah. what I mean? And tries to figure it all out. And, and he ends up being adopted by, like, a nerdy brother as like. It's a it's a really? impossible storyline. Is it <laughs> is there like the girls that are like, wow, he's such a bad boy. I want to be with him. Is there oh, like a love interest? Oh yes. Like oh yeah. Misha oh. Barton. Remember Misha Barton? Oh no one does. But Misha no, Barton. I do. <laughs> I, except I never saw the show, but I know who that is. Misha Barton, Adam Brody. This show gave way to so many characters, so wow. many great people. Adam Brody. I think I know who that is too. You do know he's, we're close personal friends. Yeah, jokes. He, he, I wish he's married to the girl from um, to the woman from uh, the one where that woman has a voiceover in the show and they tell secrets. <laughs> pretty not pretty little liars. Ugh. Someone's gonna message it and be like, "It's this show." Got a secret? Can Listen, you keep it? <laughs> here's the thing: we have the internet, and we're still not gonna. And we're that still up. not gonna look it up. <laughs> uh, fun buns post. Some maniac yeah. did a curb alert. Yeah. For 50 to 100 candy apples. <gasps> Some lunatic out there. Oh, a good lunatic. <laughs> yeah. A tasty lunatic. Hopped on sugar, 50 to 100 candied apples. Uh, one of the best curb alerts I've ever, ever heard in my life. What was the context where someone had that many spare ones? It doesn't say on here. No. But I'm willing to guess. let our imaginations go wild right now. Okay, what do you think? Um, What's your best guess? <laughs> My best guess. Uh, they had an event. They had too many. Oh, that's so boring. That's so Lauren. boring. With uh. pick, Lauren. My <laughs> oh, thought. Oh, I have one. But okay, continue. But sorry. Sorry. No, my thought is there's just like 
a bunch of like actually what do i even think i don't even know just a i don't what Guys, a guy thought that maybe he could gain favor with a lady yeah. if he was to bake her all these one things. And he heard from a friend of a friend yeah. that she really likes candied apples. Damn. Uh, and on the way to drop them off to her, yeah. he sees her on a coffee date holding hands with someone else. Oh. And then he kind of drops them. And <laughs> runs. Right, and runs away. But what, she doesn't, what he doesn't know is that she was just meeting an old friend that she hadn't seen in a while. Oh, no. And, and he's already married, so there's really no conflict, but they can never say it to each other. Because the candy apples have already been dropped on the ground. We call this scene, sometimes apples are sweet, and sometimes life is tangy. Oh! oh! Also terrible. That also, was an Are you also kidding? terrible. I, I dug that a lot. <laughs> I really, really, really dug that one. I found a bit of a... This... this post mm-hmm. made me weep of just weep. just a little bit yeah oh my God, because it must have been big it was tough because here's the title of it it's mm-hmm. iso friends Aww. willing to trade tokens gift cards whatever your iso is mm-hmm. i can do a lump amount or the amount of time we hang out basically she writes mm-hmm. i recently lost my friend group I was the outside friend, the one who would walk behind the group of friends on a busy sidewalk. First yeah. of all, those aren't your friends. <laughs> so I'm looking for some girls, those who identify or says, doesn't matter, to hang out with text once in a while or as much as you'd like. Yeah. I, I just don't want to be annoying. Aw. It was, man, that's. That's hard. That's tough. It's tough. But what it does show yeah. is the power of the buns community because obviously immediately immediately people power were like, of buns people said a, a few things over and over again they were like hold on if anyone legitimately on here takes your tokens and gift cards for times to hang out with them yeah those people are not hype yeah like trash yeah so trash so i love that part of it and the other part was hey like great let's text once in a while i don't live in the city but i'd love to text you there yeah. were so many people who were just like yeah. Like, just reaching out. I could use more friends in the city. Like, I'm new to the city. I don't really know a whole lot of people here. Yeah. Or, I mean, no one was like, I also hate my friends group. No one yeah. was that. No one was that. I real. hate my, I walk behind my <laughs> friend group too. Uh, Meant to be friends. Yeah. It, so it was, it, it was a lovely, it was a lovely, first of all, the amount of, I don't want to throw this word around loosely. The amount of courage it takes to be like, you know what? I, yeah. I don't need this and I, I can't do this. And yeah. then to post something open so, so open about it online i find to be uh, quite empowering yeah and once again and it proved this could have went in a very terrible direction it, yeah it doesn't because it's buns and buns is awesome yeah but if she posts that set of facebook i can see or to the open web i can see how she could have been ridiculed for that you know and yeah i i really love the way this turned out buns is a great place mm-hmm. no doubt about it how about some bun shoes some bun shoes so this man posts uh these swaggy under armor shoes okay jordan it's uh he d- has them for a video shoot they've only been like we- worn once for like an hour and they're these are swaggy shoes if you see the post they're cool as fuck i kind of want them even though they'd be too big for me but he posts them and he says you know i want to give these to someone that are it's a little bit more financially um you know in need of some nice shoes <laughs> basically in the comments People start tagging their friends that have terrible 
shoes. Put like, up, <laughs> put up, use the word, use use the word. Last uh, we talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> who you who has dutty, 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 dutty shoes? <laughs> so people are like, number one, this guy posted his own pair of dutty mangled shoes and he goes uh so these are currently my shoes and they're just destroyed he's like so i'm pming you and just like people are posting their friends being like you seriously need new shoes please put your shoes in the garbage and take these shoes (laughs) and everybody has that one friend that just struts around with a mangled pair of shoes Everybody's got that one friend. Yeah, and I, I get it. I mean, I'm a shoe lover. I have a ton of shoes. Yeah, me too. And, and like, I love them. But I also get it's <laughs> it's the Mark Zuckerberg effect. Yeah. You you legit. It's just one Hold less on. thing to worry about. Mark Zuckerberg, who's that? Yeah, you stop it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I actually don't know who Mark Zuckerberg is. Uh, I'm not even. Stop it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you that. Um, it's, it's one less thing to worry about when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Apparently, he eats the same thing for breakfast every day too. Which can only be filet mignon when you're you're worth a billion dollars. I'm just so busy. I don't have time to wear new shoes or eat new things. I'm so busy running Facebook or something. So busy. busy. (laughs) Uh, Didn't you wear, what did you say he wore when he got married? (laughs) No, I I made the joke. Oh, I I thought it was for real. Off uh, off air that he he, he wore a t-shirt and his slacks that he always wears, jeans he always wears uh, to his wedding. But no. He would not. His wife would never allow that. Who's he married to? He's so. married to a, a doctor that he went to school with. I mean, he dropped out of Harvard, but he married his his love, his university oh, love. Oh damn! Yeah. Who married Serena Williams? Uh, that'd be the co the co founder of Reddit. Ah, uh, for yeah. some reason I thought that Mark Zuckerberg married. Also, I love Serena that. Williams. I love that I don't know his name, but obviously I know Serena Williams. Like, yeah, yeah obviously I know Serena. Serena. Williams. Me and my yeah. sister play tennis together, and we have fights over who's Serena and who's Venus. <laughs> All right, who wants to be Serena more? Uh, me obviously, okay. but no, no, she's pretty aggressive about it. She wants to be Serena, and I yeah. take Venus because Cassie, my sister, is so much bigger than me, and she could pin me down. So I just take Venus by default because I'm just too. Afraid. I mean, I mean, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you have to be like the second most wing- winningest <laughs> William sister. <laughs> Still, Serena's the best. That is, uh, as we're recording this, uh, Venus just lost in the finals. But, oh, no. Uh, it's okay. Venus. <laughs> Venus, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this next post has gone hella viral okay. in the city of Toronto. Lay it on me. Um, and I happen to know the person who first, first posted this on Facebook, okay. which was then reposted on Buns. Damn. And it's basically... Someone is going around the city of Toronto yeah. trying to sell 10 10-day-old puppies <gasps> at $250 each. They're Whoa. half Rottweiler, half Husky, and basically puppies these young should never be separated from their moms. Yeah. So the person I know who first posted this online yeah. kept posting updates as to what's happening. It's like, okay. update, contacted this person, updated, uh, contacted this person. Yeah. And eventually... His fourth update okay. is en route to meet buyer with an SPCA officer to apprehend the puppies. It's a puppy sting. Puppy sting. Puppy sting. It's uh, <laughs> also the new name of this podcast, Bun's Puppy, puppy Sting. sting. Um, I would love to be a fly on the wall Honestly. for this sting. Uh, we could definitely role play this. Okay, right let's out. roll it out. Okay. Ready? Okay. 
Uh, hello, it's me, just a terrible person. Hey, uh, it's just me, a casual uh, buyer of puppies. Uh, just wanted to uh, grab one of those from you, if you don't y- mind. Yeah, like I said, I'm a piece of shit, and I'm selling <laughs> these puppies for two fifty each. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and bonus, uh, they're separated really early from their moms, so oh, that wow. can never be good. So, like I'm fresh, that's why I'm here. Yeah, so cash or credit. <laughs> I obviously brought cash money with me. Oh, uh, Brian. Who's this guy behind you? Oh, it's a fucking SPC. Oh, no. <laughs> they have a... I'm a terrible person. <laughs> Get the puppies. Go, go, go. Uh, it's, it's like the Toronto version of 101 Dalmatians. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for this. Yeah. I, I need this to be a movie. I want uh, them or to... Or just a skit online. Something has to happen with this. Uh, but I really, obviously, hope that these puppies uh, get back into, you know, Safety. the hands of people who are actually going to care for them. Damn. Uh, yeah. Tragic. But let's uh, let's let's hope for a very positive outcome. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty stoked about this, actually, in a weird way. Puppies. Puppies, puppies. Mm. And now for the philosophical question of the... Uh, of the hour. Of the hour. Or 20 minutes, okay. whatever. <laughs> so this woman walks by a bike and sees that it's unlocked. Mm-hmm. Looks around, waits for a bit, sees no one. And is like she's like, you know what? I have my bike lock on me. Mm-hmm. Let me lock this bike up just in case someone tries to steal this bike. I'll leave a note on this bike. So if that does happen, someone yeah. comes out, sees her bike is locked up, they can just call me and be like, hey, listen, um, I locked it up. I'll be over there in a minute to unlock it. Yeah. Right? Just, being, just trying to be a good Samaritan yeah. in that way. She gets a call, goes to this bike this bike now has two locks on it her lock yeah. and the lock that the owner put on there as well oh shit and Twist. she takes off her lock goes home says hey took off my lock and gets no response damn so the person obviously wasn't very happy about it yeah so i think they're very there are two sides on buns about this and i think there's two sides right now about this you better believe like do you be the good are you are you the good Samaritan that that does this? Help somebody out because you think the bike might get stolen? Yeah. Or are you just projecting? Is that actually not going to happen? And you may have just caused this person an inconvenience. Yeah. Where do you sit on bike gate? To lock or not to lock? Oh, bike <laughs> gate. Oh, my God. Um, uh, my opinion is, fuck yeah, I'm going to lock that bike up. You know? I feel like, but I know how you sit on this. And I, I'm in the middle, but no. I think I'm going to take the side of, you know what? You see this poor bike. It's going to get robbed in a hot sec. I'm going to I have a lock and you put she put her number down like and she responded pretty quickly. So I think maybe you just like to think that people would appreciate it. You know, uh, thank you for your response <laughs> um, for your very wrong response. Obviously, <laughs> no, th- th- this person already lives life on the edge. Yeah, clearly by not liking the bike up in a city like Toronto. Yeah. Fun fact. Japan, yeah. no one locks up their bike. What? It's so crazy. Yeah, their bike's everywhere, and, they just and no trust. one locks it up. Only people that steal bikes are the Yakuza. Okay. Learn that one out. Akuza? Turns out if you steal a bike, you're automatic, automatically in the gang. I'm not sure if that's the way it works. Whoa. But anyways, in this matter, this person had already made their choice. They're they're okay with getting their bike stolen. Yeah. Um, And it would just suck if you need to get somewhere to find out that someone locked had bike. locked up your bike, thinking that they were helping. Yeah. So I, I'm not entirely sure how much they thought they were helping, but... I just say this person was already, already risking it yeah, for the best. Yeah, already, already doing his thing. So I, I can see how that could definitely be more of a piss off. And obviously, if she didn't get a response from this guy, yeah. he's clearly pissed off about it. I, I think she's still a good person and, yeah. and had the right intention. Mm-hmm. I just think that ultimately, 
it uh, wasn't the right choice. Well, Oren, I have to disagree with you, and I hope that the Buns listeners can uh, set us straight. Yeah, this this was our first time doing this bit of the podcast, and if you have any great stories from Buns, maybe you got a killer trade, maybe you're that weird person who's always yeah. putting up some cool stuff, Yeah, uh, whatever it is, and whatever maybe your answer is to this conundrum, uh, you can email us at podcast at Buns.com in the subject line, just write ISO. I've been Oren. I've been Laura. And we'll see you soon. Too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com. Okay. So, the interview this week is with the chef and owner of the soon-to-be-reopened Patois and the ever delicious jackpot chicken and rice first restaurant tour i've had on the podcast for chef and uh i'm super interested in this stuff so i hope that comes through in the interview and i hope you guys enjoy keep your eyes open for the grand reopening I'm here with Chef Craig of Patois. Yes. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll let you introduce yourself. Sure. So I'm, people can uh, get used Craig to Craig Wong. Ones. I'm the chef and owner at Patois Restaurant, Jackpot Chicken Rice, Ting Iree in Dubai, as well as uh, another restaurant that we have coming up real soon. Well, there's another restaurant. We definitely do. We got lots of plans coming up. Ooh. Is it a secret still? or You know, we're still in the developmental stages, and we don't want to kind of give away too much until it's 100% solidified. Sure. Fair. Okay, so well, let's just start at the beginning, uh, the very beginning, before even the restaurant. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Scarborough. So it's like uh, I was always close to Toronto, but it had like a different feel to it. Lots of ethnic influences. Yeah. And uh, I was lucky enough to, to grow up in uh, predominantly Italian and Jamaican and Chinese and uh, all these different influences that really played a role in my cuisine. So... Um Growing up there, how did you get into cooking? Did you, or when did you start? At what age, I guess, is probably a better. I guess I, I got really serious about it when I was about 16, 17. Okay. And that's when I started to, to cook and, and like, uh, like make food for myself, you know, and like yeah. feeding myself as well. And I was always noticing that I would go to different restaurants and, and had all these different influences. But um, at my family parties, mm-hmm. it, you'd really see that whole kind of spectrum of, Jamaican influence, Chinese influence, and like we'd have straight up like macaroni and cheese sitting beside Chinese chow mein and right. jerk chicken and suckling pigs, and so there's like there's huge amounts of influence from family parties. Well, Potlucks. so what, what's the background? Uh, your background then, because uh, it's Jamaican Chinese. Okay, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, probably don't see that every day, I would guess. <laughs> but okay, so you're sixteen, seventeen. You find that you have an affinity for cooking and, and the fact that your your family has some um, diverse tastes kind of informs that a little bit. But how do you actually learn to cook? Did you go to school? 
I started just cooking at home by myself, experimenting, watched a ton of TV. Yeah. Was really influenced by the the likes of uh, Martin Yan and, uh, you know, like Stephen Yan. And uh, there was a, a lot of uh, food TV that was going on in our household. So like self-taught, I guess. Um, yeah. And then eventually started like I found like the best restaurant that I could possibly find that I could access quickly. Yeah. And I started working at Auberge du Pommier for free. Uh, just going after high school, you know, like after like three o'clock, four o'clock, you know, yeah. I just go there and I just work for free until like midnight. And what were you doing there? Uh, I was, you know, doing things like scrubbing oysters, peeling carrots. And yeah. it was more about like learning the culture of the kitchen. Right. And uh, those were kind of like my formative years where, you know, I was like a sponge just absorbing everything that came my way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have that much experience with restaurants or or, or chefs or anything like that, but... From what I gather from uh, the movies, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the culture in a kitchen, you know, what goes on behind the scenes is is not always what people would expect. There's like a very clear hierarchy and, uh, you know, there's it, it's it's almost it almost to me from what I've seen feels like uh, almost like the army. Like it's very clear. This is your job. This is what you do. Don't make a mistake. It's exactly set up just like the army. There's a brigade system where, you know, everybody knows who the top dog is. Yeah. And everyone knows who the chef is. Right. Um, and from there, he has like his lieutenants and, and he would have like his sous chefs. And uh, right. from there, you know, then you got like your foot soldiers. And then and then there's people that are like like helping those guys. And right. I started out at the bottom, you know, okay. really like learning what my place was in the kitchen and um, what it took to rise in the kitchen as well. And how high did you get there before you moved on? You know, I, I didn't stay there too long because I was coming in working for free. Yeah. And so I became the first hired employee at their new restaurant, which was uh, Steak Frites at the time. Man, oh, nice. That's a trip going back. <laughs> Steak Frites. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, many, many years ago. And what did you do there? I was the fry cook. Okay. I was the frites to the to the, <laughs> to to the, the steak. steak frites. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a step up though, right? So... You go from working for free to uh, cooking the fries. Absolutely. And at what point? It's like coming to America. Yeah. <laughs> like a Kanye song. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so at what point do you then go from from that to opening a restaurant? I mean, how far is the gap in between fry cook to uh, head chef? It's about 16, 16 years. 16 years. There. Yeah. Okay. So what happens in that 16 yeah. years? I mean, well, actually, let's see. Like it was 2001, I guess, when that happened. Um, so I mean, to opening Patois, it's 14 years, Okay, 14 years to opening Patois. Um, but it was one of those, I feel blessed to have the career that I did. Yeah. And can I you still make a, a mean f set of French fries or what? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> nice. See what I do differently about French fries is I get into the science of the fries, you know, like I'm not just about just it's going to get brown if I do this. It's like about actually understanding what the cells of the fries are actually doing and the behavior. And Whoa. that's like the nitty gritty kind of aspects. And yeah. I talk about French fries for hours on end. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. So yeah, so you're, you're cooking French fries and what's the next step after that? I'm just kind of curious because I have no idea yeah. what it would take to just become a chef period, but then open your own restaurant. I was lucky enough to travel. And so I spent uh, three like long years uh, like working in France. Oh, um, wow. And okay. I got to work for all the chefs that I really wanted to work for. Do you have to speak French to be able to do that? Yeah. My parents sent me to French school, like not French immersion, but like yeah. real French school where history, math, geography, everything was in French. And Whoa. I really hated them for it yeah. when I was younger, but it came to serve me really well. And uh, I picked right back up with the French. 
Okay, so you 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 got sent to Fran or you went to France. Yeah. How did you find the opportunities? Did you just go there? And, I went and there, hoped? and it, I mean, there was a long process with uh, like ensuring that I got my work permits properly, um, and it was really about meeting great chefs and them making us promises that you know, like you work for me for a little while, I'll send you over to the next one, and and it was like working your way up to that holy grail. Right, 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 and then. Um, Okay, so you're you're in France learning from all these French chefs, which I assume are like you know, kind of up there as far as chefs are concerned. Because you think of France, you think of French food and cuisine and like yes. all that great stuff. And then uh, after those three years, you come back here. Yes. So um, actually, I spent a little bit of time in the UK before coming back. Uh, got to work for like uh, uh, one of my idols uh, over there as well. Oh yeah, tell me. Um, I got to work at the Fat Duck for Heston Blumenthal. Uh, learned so much and even though it wasn't like such a crazy amount of time I think I spent like two months there mm-hmm. um, but I learned a ton and it really helped to, to, to form the way that I think about food going forward as well it's kind of interesting I mean it sounds like you have experience with uh, with, with Asian cuisine with yes. Jamaican cuisine with French yeah. cuisine and then British cuisine yes and does that kind of all inform what you do now? Yeah, it would be so ignorant of me to, you know, ignore any of the uh, influences that I've had in my career. Yeah. Whether it be like eating sushi, whether it be eating in uh, on the streets of Kingston, eating, eating drum pan chicken, you know, like those are all influences that I take in. Yeah. And uh, I try to make my style of cuisine. Nice. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about your style of cuisine then because... I've had a little bit of experience. You guys were at the uh, Union Market yes. at one point. So I've had it there. And I, I'm sorry to say that I haven't been to the restaurant yet. But once you guys open those doors again, I will Definitely be are. one of the first in line. Coming but, up in like two weeks-ish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, okay. Why don't you tell me the date first? When? What What date? Uh, it's probably about two weeks. Imagine around there. There's still a ton of work to do between now and then. And two weeks might be a bit ambitious. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing around there. So if you're listening to this, it's probably about a week from now <laughs> because uh, this will be out a week after we record. But uh, okay, yeah. So let's talk about what you guys what you guys do. We're uh, we're really, you know, pushing patois, and we're we're getting to that Caribbean Asian soul food kind of spot, mm-hmm. uh, real party vibe, and it's a really fun place to eat. Uh, it wasn't about just you know taking the the fundamentals that I learned in fine dining French cuisine, but now it's applying those techniques to doing real fun things like Jamaican jerk chicken, you know, Chinese like styled like crispy noodles and, yeah. and chow mein and uh, big bold flavors and textures of of like Asian cuisine mixed with like the fiery kind of goodness of uh, Caribbean style food. What's your favorite dish to prepare? Oh, I gotta say, man, um, our jerk chicken chow mein is pretty off the hook, man. It, it took me about thirty tries, uh, like thirty serious tries, until uh, getting to the point that uh, I was content with it. Now, oh, you're making me hungry. Okay, <laughs> jerk, jerk chicken chow mein. I kind of wish that uh, you were open and we were doing this over a plate of your food, but maybe next time. Um, okay, so now that you're the head chef at this restaurant, and you kind of you worked your way up to this point and I assume that the people you were hiring are, you know, where you were way back when. 
how does it feel to kind of be that guy for somebody else? I think there's a lot of compassion in me, and uh, I think I can really empathize with where they're at in their career, what they're prepared for, mm -hmm. and what their goals might be in the future. Because I really like just being transparent with our crew. Right. Um, something that you know I didn't really get when I was uh, a young cook coming up. I never had that really like chef mentor kind of thing, um, but for somebody to take the time to actually listen to what it was that I was thinking or what my goals were or how I saw these things fitting into my life. Yeah. It's a, it's a, there's an, a real genuine element to that. So do the people, I mean, I assume that you kind of predominantly create the menu, but do the people, uh, the other chefs in the kitchen help bring their sort of something to it or absolutely i want everyone to share in this pride and i want uh, our younger cooks to be gunning and hungry to put things on the menu right and i want uh, our senior guys to be um you know motivated by seeing their creations come to fruition and the ability for me to come in and give subtle kind of like pointers or yeah. you know little uh little tweaks along the way and it, it makes for a, a positive team experience. Yeah, you don't you don't strike me as a uh, Gordon Ramsay Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I work for I work for them all, man. I work for them all, and uh, those are the guys that uh, it's it's a different time. They're they're um, the, it's not the way of the the future. Yeah, well, I I feel like that's one of those things that's kind of like self perpetuating. You know, they probably came up with people who are like that yes and you know once you get to that point you feel like okay well that made me a better chef so i gotta go do that to these people and then it, it just kind of cycle goes on and on but it seems like uh you've managed to break that cycle definitely like you're put into that spot where you know when somebody is uh you know kind of striking striking you as like being that negative kind of force yeah either you have to go down that road and continue that cycle mm -hmm. or you're going to go the opposite and be like no this is not what we want to do and uh, refocus and tweak things so that you can really develop your own ideas and that's really what our whole essence of cuisine is about it's about you know breaking the rules and you know what other people challenge as as being authentic or somebody that is really thinking that something has to be this structured it's right. like screw all that man like screw all that noise like it's about doing what we feel is right bringing something new trying something different yeah and uh yeah breaking away from those chains i like that i think that toronto is uh especially good city for that sort of thing there's a lot of restaurants that uh, are a mix of foods that you don't normally you know you wouldn't associate with one another like you know jamaican and, and asian cuisine isn't really something that I would have thought like, oh, I want this, but then I had it, and I was like, oh yeah, it works, man. I yeah, it I works. want this. <laughs> and at at some point, all of these cuisines were new, groundbreaking cuisines as well. You know, like right. the yeah. the earth wasn't started with uh, these classic dishes, like uh, like a, a cacio e pepe, like pasta was at one point groundbreaking. Yeah, you know, it wasn't that classic dish. Somebody had to make it that classic dish. Right, right. And to to think otherwise that this is not authentic is just being very close-minded because had somebody thought that this is not proper maybe yeah. the dish wouldn't have developed well it's crazy to think about because even in, in our time i mean I, I assume that we're probably around the same age um at one point in north america sushi was like exotic cuisine absolutely yeah. i remember that i remember that and now it's like ubiquitous you can't you can't escape it but it's crazy I, hopefully one day you know 
jerk chicken chow mein will be uh <laughs> will be ubiquitous but like, i remember when when like ebay was just kind of starting to come around and 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 i mean there was a different coal factor to that too because right. i started doing ebay and and going on ebay now is totally different than uh, what it used to be and i find that there's just like all these and kind of inferior products that are kind of flooding the market yeah and that's what i love about buns and that's what i thought was so cool um since since uh my wife started getting on there it was yeah. about a week and a half ago she's done 20 trades already whoa okay <laughs> so she's a power user that's she crazy. definitely is and and she she loves it you know and one man's trash is one another person's treasure and yeah. we've picked up some really cool things along the way like we have some some cool tiki glasses that nice. we're going to be like using in the restaurant oh nice I traded a couple beer books for that uh you know we, we caught, got some like cool like little collector items like pillsbury doughboy figurines you ever think about trading cuisine on oh buns? I, you know what i've never tried that before i feel like people would take you up on it especially <laughs> like the restaurant's pretty well known i also heard a rumor that maybe there's some job postings on buns for your restaurant is that true we definitely did we definitely posted on there and uh it's it's one of those new platforms i think it's about getting creative and yeah and using different means to get uh, get the word out uh, which well, I think is cool. Speaking of getting creative, I, I mentioned earlier that you guys were at the Union Market. Yes. How is that? I mean, I, I imagine that's a, a large challenge because you don't really have all the facilities that you would normally have at your restaurant. Definitely. It, the whole idea of that, like, I mean, of, of us going to that market was, uh, you know, kind of not the most ideal because our next door neighbor at Patois had committed arson. Yeah. And so uh, just five days uh, before we got into the market. Oh, man. And we didn't plan on, on doing that. And, and bless, you know, the people at Union Summer Market, yeah. Osmington Group, like shout out to you. Um, you guys really helped to take care of us. But uh, we went into to kind of panic mode at that point. Uh, and it was all about keeping our employees employed. And right. It was all about keeping the family together. And that's what helped to get uh, Jackpot to be uh, such a smooth opening, smoothest restaurant opening uh, I've ever come across. That's crazy. So I guess, yeah, let's talk a little bit about how long has the restaurant been been closed? Uh, we've been closed just over a year now. And and now you're just getting ready to reopen. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, insurance companies uh, aren't the most uh, uh, efficient at uh, getting the work done quickly, but they do yeah. a fantastic job of... Uh, of getting us back on our feet and we're opening bigger and better than ever we're actually uh doing an upstairs venue as well so yeah well i was gonna say you probably had to rebuild so now it's more the way that you wanted it definitely when you started. definitely and you know we're we're at that stage where we're a little bit more experienced we know exactly what we're looking for yeah and uh i'm just very excited to offer something even like brand new to our to our return guests oh i'm excited i mean i'm not technically i guess i'm not a return guest but i'm excited <laughs> to be um a guest yes but new friends yeah. return guests all the same man let's talk about technology for a bit because you mentioned buns do you guys are you uh planning on doing the uh, you know uber eats or um I don't know, hurry or I, I, I don't I can't keep track of all yeah, these. Uh, we're, Fudora. We're currently on Fudora at Jackpot. Okay. Um, at Patois. We'll, we'll see what kind of rates everyone does for us. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't really have much insight into that, but okay, let's shift gears totally for a second. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but I watched it and it made me want to be a chef. Have you seen the movie chef? I have. I thought it was so cool, man. It's so like you thought it was like, is it, is it uh, a fair representation of 
of how things go down. You I think? think it's it's a bit of a Hollywood kind of representation, but I yeah. mean, it definitely um, represents more of the idealistic uh, points of of uh, chefs in the industry. Yeah, um, it, every chef dreams about just making that personal connection with their guests and cooking for individuals as opposed to you know just faceless plates that are just go- leaving the kitchen. Yeah, I think it's that connection, and and I guess I'm a bit like. Uh, of, of a storyteller in that sense right. where um, you know I like to transmit my message directly to our guests and that brings me so much joy yeah um, and I yeah, think you strike me as the kind of guy who sits down you know with the people and, and <laughs> ask them how their meals doing and all that it's stuff, it's yeah. genuine man and it's it's really um, it's heartfelt yeah yeah that's awesome okay well I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a few questions about Toronto itself of course because uh if anyone knows where to eat in the city, <laughs> aside from your restaurants, of course, it would be a chef. So where do you like to go when you go where out? Where do I go? Oh, I go to all these different places and people would be very surprised by some of the restaurants uh, that I go to. Uh, last night we went to Inoteca Sociale, like the excellent, excellent experience there. And I that's why the Cacio e Pepe is fresh in my mind. Um, I like to hit up my friend's restaurant at Smoke Signals. Smoke Signals, uh, where's that? It's Smoke Signals is on Dundas, uh, just west of Ossington. Is it barbecue? Barbecue, best okay. barbecue in the city, man. The Ooh. beef ribs, uh, you know, like they got some smokes, like spare ribs, all that stuff. Is, I got, it's delicious. I got to check that out because I am a barbecue fiend. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I really recommend his his sausages are off the hook. Yeah. Um, another good buddy of mine has a restaurant called Super Point. On Ossington. Okay. Uh, but I mean, like visiting friends is is is, is one thing. But uh, where I really kind of get inspiration is visiting like little holes in the walls, you know, like people that are um, really kind of cooking more heartfelt food as well. Well, speaking about that, yeah. I, I wonder if you've tried this restaurant. Um, it is like, I want to say where Parliament and, and uh, Danforth sort of split. Okay. Just uh, the first right off Parliament, I can't remember. I think it's like, it's not George. I can't remember what the name of the street is, but the restaurant's called Tonino. Tonino. I've never been there. Oh, man. I went the other day. It. I don't. I almost don't want to talk about it on the show because <laughs> I don't want people to You're like... You're going to blow it up, man. Yeah. But it's, um, it's uh, you know, they just lay it out in front of you. They put it down a banana leaf and a pile of rice Oh, and, okay. and just like straight like up... Kamayan. Whole, Kamayan whole fish yeah. and like... Um, shrimp and all the stuff and it's $15 a person and they just bring an appropriate amount for everyone and you just eat with your hands everyone That's just awesome. eats out of the pile can't beat that man yeah it's, unbe- beat that. it's unbelievable um I i've never had filipino food before this is my first uh first experience filipino Fantastic, restaurant but man you should check that out but yeah give me some more some more recommendations because i'm super hungry right now so now's <laughs> the perfect time to like burrow <laughs> in my brain um i really enjoy um this korean spot on bloor in mm-hmm. uh, in like little korea uh korea town um, it's called Duroe, D-O-O-R-O-O-A-E. Okay. Yeah, that place, like, order anything off the menu. Yeah. And it's a hype dish, man. It just, it, their flavors are just on point. Nice. Seasoning is good. Everything's good about that spot. Um, what else comes to mind? You know, I, I really like, I like things that uh, people wouldn't expect us to enjoy. Uh, I'm really excited for my buddy Ian's new restaurant coming up. He's opening up a... Uh, uh, a new sushi spot. And oh. He does it like nobody else. He used to be uh, Sushi Kaji's like right hand. Okay. Uh, and he's opening a place on, uh, uh, where is it? It's on, see, he's still in development. Uh, it's near Ossington and it's going to be on, uh, what's that street that's just south of Bloor? 
I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm an East End guy, so it's hard, for, guy. it's hard for me to... I mean, I go to the West End to eat, but I don't yeah, know the yeah. streets all that well. It's, it's on one of those streets that's just south of Bloor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another major street that goes right across near Ossington. Um, but yeah, it's, oh. it's going to be a, a very cool new sushi spot. Nice. I'm... Uh, I'm gonna have to listen back to this one yeah. once we're done and, and and make note of all this stuff Definitely. because, yeah. He took over the the old Oxley space. That's where he is. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Th- that bar, the Oxley. So he's he's opening up a new spot there, but it's gonna be a a very place to 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 check out. So I think one of my final questions for you, um, before I let you go, is uh, some people probably have this illusion that you must eat like the most elaborate meals every day, and I assume <laughs> that you're probably too busy. Yes. What do you normally cook yourself when you cook? I like cooking simple food at home, to be honest. Uh, you know, th- one of the last meals that I did was just um, some uh, beef ribs. Yeah. Uh, just seasoned simply with a bit of salt, a um, bit of sauteed shrimp, you know, and, and just some broccoli. That's it. Like no rice, no nothing. Just yeah. simple things. Uh, I, I try to be a bit more um, cognizant of like the carbs and uh, trying to really kind of push, but I really like, I love my rice, man. R- Just right. coming from Asian background. Yeah, me like, too. I love rice. Like, I go for that, but... Uh, Nothing beats a good bowl of white rice. Sometimes just, like, plain steamed vegetables, man. It's, like, boring. Like, so real boring stuff, you know? How do you come up with new dishes for your restaurant, then, if you're, you know, eating so simply? I, I feel, like, blessed that I've kind of built up this mental Rolodex mm-hmm. where I'm accessing all these different flavors in my mind. And yeah. when I actually like think about it, I can taste it on my tongue. And so I'm thinking about constant like new flavors. And every time I taste something brand new, it's like a new card in that Rolodex yeah. uh, where you're, you're constantly like uh, tasting new things, new combinations, new flavors. And uh, I feel like uh, I get to, to do riffs on classic dishes all the time. So you start by imagining what you think the dish would be like and then trying to absolutely make I would happen. say I have about a 85% success rate too. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Well, you know, if you ever need somebody <laughs> to taste test those dishes, just jump into my mind, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh that's pretty incredible, man. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for uh sitting down and chatting with me. Let's uh let's plug the restaurant one more time before I let you go. Craig Wong at Patois Toronto. Jackpot Chicken Rice, Ting Iree in Dubai, and uh, many more to come. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again for sitting down and, and chatting with me. And I look forward to the opening of your restaurant. Fantastic. And I'll have to visit uh, the Chicken and Rice. All right, thank you guys so much. The Sun Harmonic. You can check it out at www.thesunharmonic.com. It is from a concept album, eight years in the making. Here is everything you are looking for by The Sun Harmonic.
is heading to